You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into a Tuesday edition of the podcast. Hope you all are doing great out there wherever you might be. Brian, how's it going, my friend? I am back with you. It's been a minute. I don't know what to do, Jake. I have people to talk to. I have someone in front of me. There's not just a blank wall. I don't have to keep rambling on and on. This is going to be great. I'm so excited. Yeah, we got plenty to get to ahead on today's edition of Locked on Utes. We're going to talk a little bit more about, and Brian, you're going to have to help me with the pronunciation. I'm pronouncing it George Klyovkov, the new uh, Pac-12 commissioner. We're going to explain a little bit more about his new post. But you think there's an interesting way to pronounce his name. Fill us in real quick. So the the English pronunciation versus the actual uh, Slavic pronunciation is slightly different. It's Klyovkov. Okay. If you're going with the true you know, Russian-style pronunciation. I like it. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about him, what he needs to accomplish early on in his tenure as Pac-12 commissioner. We'll talk about that. And Brian and I happen to be at the same event over the weekend, the Utah Social Open. We'll also talk a little bit about the takeaways from that and catch up on everything else going on in Utah sports. Utah men's golf, participating in the NCAA regionals. we got plenty ahead on today's show. It's all brought to you today in part by the Locked On Pac-12 podcast. We are proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network. If you guys want more of a broad overview, over you what's going on with the Pac-12 as a conference, make sure you download the Locked On Pac-12 podcast wherever you get podcasts or check it out on the brand new Odyssey app if you're looking for a new podcast provider. All right, without further ado, let's get going here on a Tuesday. This is the Locked On Utes podcast for May 18th, 2021. Once again, this is the Locked On Utes podcast, your only daily podcast focused on all things University of Utah Athletics. My name is Jay Catch. I am supposedly a co-host of this podcast, but Brian's really been doing a lot of the legwork here with this recently. But Brian Brown, he is the brown bear in the chair himself. Brian, what is up? How are you, my friend? Jake, I'm doing great, but that's probably why SNB525 gave us five, four stars on Apple Podcasts saying, daily? Question mark. I'm confused. It can't be that hard. That's why we have Jake here on the show, folks, because the good stuff doesn't get done unless he's around. Well, hey, we're having fun nonetheless. I'm excited to be back with you guys talking all things Utah. And we got plenty to go on on today's show, but I want to start off here. Of course, over the weekend, the big news breaking in the Pac-12, George Klyovkov, did I pronounce that correctly? So the English pronunciation is Klyovkov, uh-huh. like coughing. Okay. In the Russian pronunciation, there's a hard V at the end. So Klyovkov, is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. there so we go. It depends on whether you want to sound like you're talking about <laughs> or if you want to talk about the Pac-12 commissioner. Either way, one one is the Pac-12 commissioner. The other is secretly a villain trying to destroy the world. So pick your pick your, pick your your adventure, folks. So we got a new James Bond plot is what, is what we're talking about here. <laughs> I mean, they've tried everything else. Why not take over a sports conference as commissioner to try and rule the world? <laughs> Absolutely. Why not? Well, Brian, I guess my initial reaction was, my first question was, who is George Klyovkov? Uh, I think many of many people out there were like me when they heard the news of him being hired as Pac-12 commissioner. I think many of us out there, myself included as well, thought a guy like Oliver Luck seemed like a, just a perfect fit for this conference. 
Give me a sense, Brian. Help me understand a little bit why you think the Pac-12 leaned towards George Klyovkov over maybe some of the other administrators slash other candidates for this position. Well, I think the one name that we had heard pretty consistently was Oliver Luck. It was a name that you and I are both excited about. I went into a nice long diatribe about why Oliver Luck would be a great fit for the position maybe a day or two before they announced Klyovkov as the hire, <laughs> which perfect timing on my part, but it's pretty clear if you look at his background where where his bread is buttered, and that is on the network industry, entertainment industry side of things. He's come from uh, a, a great position where he was with MLB Advanced Media, and as I've been around and talked to people a little bit, that's one of the larger media companies in the U.S. that people have never heard of. They handle a lot of the streaming platforms and everything like that. So he was an integral part of that. Moved from there to NBC Universal. Moved from NBC Universal to Hulu. Moved from Hulu to an investment firm mm-hmm. that's been in, in such companies like Dollar Shave Club, BuzzFeed, uh, Pandora, all sorts of opportunities. So his background is heavily saturated and not to overlook the fact that he's coming to the Pac-12 from MGM Entertainment, heavily saturated in network television, entertainment, all that kind of thing. Uh, part of his work was with Roku at one point in time, the popular streaming platform. So it was clear that the priority, the Pac-12 CEO group, the presidents of the university had set in terms of wanting him to be a business-oriented commissioner was met. I think the astonishing part about it for us all is the fact that this is a name that really no one has ever heard of. Yeah, and that's the thing about it. If you look at his background, it seems like a decent fit considering his background, like you mentioned, with network TV. Obviously, there's a new round of TV negotiations upcoming for the Pac-12. He would have a role to play, obviously, in that as kind of the chief negotiator for the Pac-12 conference when they when they enter those negotiations. One thing that I'm intrigued by with regards to his connection with MGM Entertainment is the fact that he understands global branding now. Obviously, we have talked about in the past, how the Pac-12, they want to have a footprint in Asia. They want to really expand where uh, their fan bases or, or new fan bases can see the Pac-12 competing in sports. Well, MGM Entertainment, they have got all kinds of different entities all over the world. You can think of them over there in China, uh, Hong Kong. You can think of them in Dubai, the greater Middle East. They have got connections everywhere. And the fact that he was so engrossed with that, I think very much gives him a global, I guess, uh, eyesight when it comes to helping expand the Pac-12 footprint. And we've seen that a little bit previous with Larry Scott. I think the hope is that he can do a better job of maximizing the potential of that vision. I I don't know that necessarily it's the worldwide aspect of the Pac-12 that has been impacted as much as it is the stuff right in everybody's backyard. Andy Staples, I think, summed it up nicely when he said he can be as good as he wants to be at all the off-field stuff, but that's not going to change the fan involvement from places like Oregon State and Cal. And so I think that's the the prevailing point is how much, or I guess my prevailing question would be a better way to phrase that, how much can he really do using his connections and relationships when it's the fan investment and the on-field product that probably need the most work? I thought he did a good job of of mentioning those kinds of things in his opening press conference. He talked about how, uh, you know, 
recruiting and, and facilities were a big part of what he wanted to do and, and what he wanted to come in. And we'll talk about that, obviously, later on this week. But it, it was, I think, even to this point now where we've heard the name a little bit and, and had a chance to do some research, it's still a bit of a mystery who he really is. Well, and I think that's the one thing that's going to have to just give us some time. Obviously, he's not going to officially assume the post until July 1. Uh, that's when he officially takes over as Pac-12 commissioner. But he'll obviously be talking with people and making inroads as he tries to get to know people, etc., in the coming days before he officially takes over the post. But I'm with you. He's he's still a relative mystery. The nice part is, Brian, and I, I say this a little tongue-in-cheek, but I also mean it at the same time. He's coming in at a great time in the Pac-12 because after what Larry Scott has just left behind, there's no really way that he can, I feel like, go lower than Larry Scott and some of the things that Larry did during his tenure. And I think that's been the prevailing thought from a lot of the fans and the mindset there is that, well, things can't get any worse. And, and currently you're right, Jake. I think it's you're at a perfect point where the league is actually poised to make some noise this year in football. He mentioned in his press conference that they know where their bread is buttered, and it's definitely with men's football or men's basketball and football. Yeah. And look, it, it, that's the most obvious of obvious points that for some reason Larry Scott can never grasp, right? That he needed to promote these sports above all else. And maybe his background coming from women's tennis was so influential that he just felt like he could say whatever he wanted to say and that would suddenly make a sport popular with people around him. (laughs) But it wasn't the case. Uh, So I think it's good that he has a good handle on those situations where I think it becomes a fascinating discussion is as we've seen with this failed Super League creation, what's to stop programs and conferences in college football from doing something like that as as what was attempted in soccer? Because the fans do not have the same kind of voice or power that they do in those English and, and European leagues. Yeah, that's absolutely. Well, I, I think that brings up a very interesting topic here, Brian, of what we think uh, George Klyovkov needs to handle early on in his tenure with the Pac-12. Let's discuss that a little more in depth coming up here in just a minute. Before we do that, though, let's take a minute today and talk about Rock Auto, Brian. Uh, I don't know if I've talked about this on Locked on Utes. I've been away for a little bit, but recently I had the blinker on, so the blinker light on my car go out, and many people know how annoying that can be and a little Honestly, it's a little bit dangerous at times if you don't have a blinker. Well, you know what I did? I went to rockauto.com, found the part I needed, ordered it, and just a few days later, it showed up in the mail. I got it replaced, and it was as simple as that. That's what I love about Rock Auto. It's a family-owned business, but they've got every part for every vehicle under the sun, and they want to make sure you guys are taken care of. Yeah, and Jake, what a repair like that probably would have cost you maybe 50 75 bucks in the meantime you get the part from rock auto and five bucks later you're off and rolling down the road that's what's great about it the parts are priced reasonably it's there's no favoritism between professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers or try-it-yourselfers like us it's just a great company that has been in business for 20 years doing this the layout is simple you can go there you find all the parts you select the level of part or the price of part you want hit that order button right in where you found them right locked on utes and then have that part sent to your door make that repair it's it's really super simple yeah, that's what we love about them. It's an absolutely incredible service. And like Brian said, this is a company you can trust. They've been online for more than 20 years serving auto parts customers. Of course, they've got an amazing selection, reliably low prices. They, of course, have all the parts your car, truck, or SUV will ever need. Check them out at rockauto.com. 
All right, Brian, getting back to the conversation at hand, obviously there's still a lot to dissect with regards to George Klyovkov and what he faces as the Pac-12 commissioner. And we're going to kind of dole this out. We're going to talk about this over coming days, obviously. There's so many different facets to his hire and the many different uh, things that are facing the Pac-12. But obviously when a new person comes into power, and be it far from me to get political here on this podcast, trust me, I don't do this lightly, but many people, when we talk about a new president taking over the United States of America, we talk about their first hundred days, what they want to accomplish, and essentially their first three months on the job. Well, I want to talk a little bit about that, kind of that same sense when it comes to George Klyovkov. As I mentioned, he will take over officially on July 1. So Brian, let's just say middle of the Pac-12 football season upcoming, so we're talking October, those first 100 days or so, what do you, what do we all want to see accomplished by George Klyovkov, if anything? I think the biggest thing is is what can you do with the Pac-12 network in terms of getting that thing in front of faces and distri- distribution. 100 days might be a little bit tough. July 1 start date, it might be more difficult to get those deals in place especially where so much of the world is in flux these days in terms of do you go through streaming? Do you Mm -hmm. go through providers? How do you get your entertainment? But I think you have to show progress somewhere. So either talks are progressing with DirecTV. We're excited to get the Pac-12 network on board by this date. The other thing I think you need to do is you need to make sure that whoever your lieutenants are, they are announced and in place by that date as well. You mentioned in the press conference that a very important, I can't remember how exactly he phrased it, but there was an exciting hire coming down the road. Get that thing announced, get whoever it is on board, and make sure that they are delving into the issues that the Pac-12 has because it goes beyond just the recruiting and the facilities that he mentioned. It's A big part of it is officiating. I think that's one that you can really get a handle on immediately as well, but I think the biggest thing that needs to happen is the Pac-12 needs to roll out some sort of campaign regarding the league this season. You've got five teams in the top 25 for Bill C's uh, SP+, Mm -hmm. meaning that there are five teams, you know, seven even, in in my opinion, that can compete and, and be a part of that top 25. You absolutely need to get as much attention as possible on those programs. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And it, it was encouraging in a way to hear him be so positive about the Pac-12 network. Uh, you can tell he thinks it's actually something the conference can use. I do believe, though, that there are fans out there, both in the Utah fan base and just the Pac-12 overall, who would probably like to see the Pac-12 network completely revamped. Maybe latch on with a national TV partner, similar to what ESPN has done for both the ACC and the SEC networks. Uh, Big 12, to a degree, with uh, Fox and ESPN, Fox obviously the Big Ten. The one thing about the Pac-12 networks that it is owned outright by the conference, and it's been both a positive and in many ways a negative for the conference. But it was encouraging to see him believe that it's a product worth continuing to work with. I do think that he may. Uh, spin it and revamp it in a way that obviously would bring it uh, maybe to more distribute distribute bring it out to more distribution in terms of like the direct TV package all that different stuff but I think the overall thing is he is a fan of the network and if you want to see those quote-unquote Olympic sports in action well it's really the only way to see them right now is to have them on the Pac-12 network 
And I think the other aspect that you have is you have a network that's available for others to use. So how sure. do you use and manage that? How can you promote it? How can you use the network as a bargaining chip with some of these companies, especially as we're starting to see more and more regional sports networks go the way of the the Buffalo, for lack of a better phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, although I, I, I'm a big fan of Buffalo staying around. I don't know about you, Jake. Hey, I do love me a good bison steak. I'll tell you that much. There you go. Yeah, that's what I like <laughs> but to see, the American that's, bison. That's probably also, you know, like not letting the buffalo hang around. But, you know, <laughs> point remains. <laughs> Sub- supply and demand, Jake. It's just all about supplying the demand. But I think there's a lot of merit behind, uh, you know, just getting on top of that stuff and, yeah. and, and getting it rolling down the road as I'm reading through his, uh, his, his some of his, uh, you know, uh, announcements, I think, yeah. yeah, I think that he's got a really good idea and a really good concept of what he has in terms of assets and how he can leverage those as they start to enter into the negotiations for the big TV deals. I think another big thing to figure out with this whole situation is how do you handle the push to get more Pac-12 teams on the big noon kickoff because that has become the topic of conversation. Is it something that's feasible? Is there a way to do it that actually doesn't put the programs and the fans in a, in a bind because they're all coming back to the stadiums this year, it looks like. And, and I think most, if not every single pac 12 program needs the revenue from ticket sales. How do you counterbalance that with a need to get your programs, the exposure that they deserve? Yeah, and that that would be an interesting part. One other thing I'd like to see him address early on in this tenure, Brian, is to really set forth that the officiating issues that were a hallmark under, or I guess not a hallmark, but a black stain under Larry Scott's tenure, I think he needs to come out early on and establish that, you know what, we have parameters in place to protect the integrity of the officiating in our sports, especially in football. You cannot have a Woody Dixon-type incident occur once again. That was just an awful, awful black eye for this conference. I'd like to see him come out early on and say, you know what, this is how we're going to approach things when it comes to officiating. We understand that the Pac-12 refs, hashtag etc., that always has been an issue under Larry Scott. And I think it's not necessarily, I'm with you, it's not something you can correct in the first hundred days, but I think addressing it head-on early on in his tenure, I think it'd actually do wonders for a guy like George Klyovkov. Yeah, and and I think you can build some goodwill. You know, you mentioned Woody Dixon, and it's pretty fascinating that the narrative surrounding him was almost entirely negative. In fact, at one point in time, I pitched the idea of the Woody Dixon Pac-12 Power Ranking Awards where I make the call and I rank them where I want them. And uh, thankfully, Dan Sorensen was wise enough to to calm me down from that one and not make me an enemy number one of the Pac-12, although I doubt Woody would ever have read anything I wrote. It turned out that he actually was a pretty solid asset for the conference, and his departure when it happened right as the Pac-12 started to get into the health and safety protocols for for COVID actually did hurt the conference on a pretty significant level. But I think the overarching story of that is that Larry Scott was not the leader and was not involved in the decisions as a leader that he should have been in. And I think that's something that Klyovkov can do right off the bat 
is make sure that people understand the structure, that he's involved, he's invested, he's interested in what's going on, so that that kind of thing doesn't get out of control and happen again and leave another black eye for the conference. Because if you have another, I don't want to call it catastrophic, but like a, a PR nightmare like that, mm-hmm. we're just keeping adding him up. And, and now all of a sudden, there any, any hope or belief in him has just been instantly dashed. Yeah, and that's the thing. So I, I'd like to see him address that head on. And like I said, we're going to just continue to discuss these different topics, these different issues that we think that George Klyovkov will have to address as Pac-12 commissioner. We'll talk more about them on tomorrow's podcast. But coming up here in just a minute, we're going to switch gears a little bit. Brian and I were both in attendance and participating in the Utah Social Open over the weekend. and we also got to catch up on some other Utah sports news. Utah men's golf making their first appearance at an NCAA regional since 1992. How did that go for them? We'll touch on all of that here in just a few moments. Let's take a minute, though, Brian, and talk to our good friends about BetOnline and BetOnline.ag. I know you have been having a lot of fun with BetOnline. I've been diving in and trying different things. I actually tried my first parlay recently, Brian, and I'd like to say it did not go well, but at least I gave it a shot. Jake, I, I listen, you got Knicks, as I like to call it, where the New York Knicks took care of my parlay business. But I'm all I'm all on moving forward, Jake. And so what I'm really into right now is I'm into betting on those futures. And there are some great futures out there right now that you can look into as well, including if, if you're a fan of maybe the Pac-12, there's a good chance that there are conference futures posted on there. Like, for example, it might be posted up there that Utah – is a plus 1,000 option to bet on winning the Pac-12. What a great bet that might be if you're a Utah fan. Jake, if you had a 1,000 pesos or a 1,000 Skittles, sorry, if you had a 1,000 Skittles to place on the Utes to win the conference, where do you think you should put that 1,000 Skittles? Just go to betonline.ag and put it on that Futures to win the Pac-12. It's real simple. Mm -hmm. And you know why you do that? Because you use the promo code Locked On. Uh-huh. And you get a 50% welcome bonus. So you're not putting a thousand on it. How much are you putting on there, Jake? 500. And a thousand, right? Okay. 1500 oh, yeah, okay. total. I did the math wrong. You're right. You're no, 1500. So yeah. And if it pays off, dude, think about the money you're going to be raking in at that point. It's, That's right. And then now all of a sudden those, those college educations you got to pay for a little less daunting. If you're out there trying to make, you know, I don't these days, who knows? If you're trying to buy a gallon of gas, it may require everything that you'd win with that extra uh, 50% welcome bonus. But that's why you go to betonline.ag. It's super easy to sign up with. You get the promo code locked on 50% welcome bonus. It's fun. There's all the odds listed right there, so you can go check them out. It's, it's And they are top of the shelf when it comes to getting all that stuff posted immediately. Yeah, guys, so take advantage of it now. Once again, a 50% welcome bonus can be yours with your first deposit at BetOnline.ag. All you got to use is the promo code Locked On, and you can take advantage of it. It's all courtesy of our friends at BetOnline, as they are your online sportsbook experts. As we round out this Tuesday edition of the Locked On Utes podcast, Brian, let's take a minute and recollect on Friday, you and I were both in attendance at the Utah Social Open, and might I say, what an absolute blast I had up there at Soldier Hollow. Yeah, I think it was fun, Jake. You and I didn't get a chance to. We had an idea where we were going to try and record an episode there, but too much fun was had, and it never came about, but I think that was just a really uh, a good um, sign. Yeah. A good, a good uh, man, I'm struggling today. Let's try that again. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Oh, mark that. All right, here we go. Three, Brain two, and 
one. All right, Brian, as we round out things here on a Tuesday edition of Locked On Utes, let's take a minute and look back before we look forward. Obviously, you and I, if people are paying attention on social media, were in attendance at the Utah Social Open up at Soldier Hollow Golf Course. What a great day of golf. Over 200 uh, fans, or I guess from both BYU and Utah, even some Utah State Aggies, were in attendance at this golf event. What a first-rate event. I had an absolute blast out there. You and me both. We had a plan in place where we were going to try and do some work and actually record a show while we were there. That didn't come to fruition. I won't actually incriminate you at all, Jake. You were there ready to go. I was the one that was having too much fun and couldn't get a, even couldn't even get my backpack off to get the recorders out. Uh, but it was a really great event. It was fun to meet a lot of people there, a lot of Locked On Utes listeners. Mm-hmm. So thanks for coming up. Jake and I didn't even really get a chance to talk and hang out that much because Jake's even a legend when it comes to going to events like the at the Utah social open but i thought it was an interesting experience i wanted to get your thoughts on what it was like meeting utah fans there although i think there were pretty solid representation from from all the schools in state it was definitely a ute dominated event yeah but it was a ton of fun man i met some great utah fans out there many of them listeners to the podcast many of them listeners to the radio show that i produce on a daily basis dj and pk in the morning you know what i When they announced they were doing this event, Brian, I hopped in both feet. I was not even hesitating. I'm like, I'm going to play in this. It was so much fun. Met some great Utah fans. We had a great time out on the course, uh, chatting it up, throwing some darts back and forth between the BYU and Utah fans who were playing in the sixth that I was playing with. It was a kind of a team event for those that were unaware. It was a Ryder Cup format where you had a team of three versus a team of three and and I just, I feel like the overall tenor of the event, it brought a lot of fans together, and I think a lot of fun was had. Absolutely. I haven't seen one single negative review of it. It was a great time to get out, a great course. Of course, it was in great shape. Shout out to the people up there at Soldier, Soldier Hollow for being a really good job, doing a really good job. And I think most importantly, shout out to Andrew and Connor, Andrew McCullough and Connor Schoen for doing a phenomenal job and getting that thing organized. For two random dudes to just put together a tournament like that, things were darn near flawless. Yeah, they did a marvelous job. And the only regret I have, Brian, is they somehow lost my bag tag that they were handing out. Everybody had their their individualized bag tags. Somehow mine has gone missing. So if you happen to be up at Soldier Hollow and find it, it has my my Twitter name on it. Please reach out. I'd be happy to retrieve it from you. And that was the great part about the Open is that there were so many people that contributed, and uh, I, I think I might have a, uh, a connection to where we can get you a replacement. Jake. Oh, that's that's good to hear. All right. Um, any other thoughts on it, Brian? I, I, I guess my, my overall thing is if you did not participate in this year's event or this spring event, get out for the fall event, get out for next spring, just make a plan to make it uh, to the next Utah Social Open. Man, I, I'm looking forward to it already, and we're still months away from the next one. It, we are, it doesn't feel like it's that close, but it really is coming right up around the corner. But I think the biggest thing to draw from it for me, and I talked about it a little bit yesterday, is is the investment in the communities that we're here in here, you know, and so. That's my thing is that if you have an event like this, let us know. We'd love to promote it on Locked on Utes. We'd love to connect connect other Utah fans and and help build these kinds of relationships because I think the biggest, most fun part about it is getting out there and meeting people and you suddenly have a different opinion of people that maybe you interact with a lot and, and it's a lot more positive. 
Yeah, absolutely. So looking forward to it. We'll, of course, continue to keep you updated with any updates on that. Brian, two other notes before we go here. Uh, Utah baseball is going to be facing BYU tonight in a rivalry showdown. It's the final one of the season. This uh, game is set to be played at Miller Park down there in Provo. First pitch is set for 6 p.m. Mountain Time. Utes and the Cougars, both of them looking like it's long odds to make the NCAA tournament. So obviously bragging rights in-state on the line. Looking forward to this matchup. Absolutely, and it, it's going to be the the keystone, I think, to the season for the Utes is they have two more series coming up, one against Washington in Seattle and the other back home against USC. By at home, I mean that they'll be up at Ogden at, at Lindquist Field. But this will really be kind of their championship moment with the rivalry coming into play and bragging rights on the line. Yeah, absolutely. And then the final note for you guys is Utah men's golf. By the way, major accomplishment for them to make the NCAA regionals as a team for the first time since 1992. Hats off to head coach Garrett Clegg. An absolutely masterful job. They're participating in the Washington Regional up there, hosted by the University of Washington in the greater Seattle area. I believe Clee Ellum is the name of the city that they're in. Uh, But they actually had a decent day on the first day of competition. The second round is underway today. The third round will be tomorrow. But U Baseball off to a decent start. They're sitting in seventh place at one under as a team after shooting an overall 283 after the first round. Sixth ranked Wake Forest, number 25, uh, San Francisco are tied atop the leaderboard at six under. So Utah probably needs some, to make up some ground if they want to make the NCAA championship field. But nonetheless, I think it's a pretty good thing to see them in the top half of the bracket. I think the amazing part about it is the that there's so many shots ahead of Arizona, who yeah. was, the, you know, the conference winner, uh, and and that's really impressive to see them back bounce back from a a little bit of a rough performance at the Pac-12 championships and play well, uh, led by Tristan Mander and Blake Tomlinson, Blake who had a bit of a tough go at the Pac-12 championship, bounced back and did really well, shot a 69. Uh, Tristan Mander shot a 68. Uh, Javier Barcos, the freshman, shot a 71. Senior Mitchell Shaw shooting a 75. So if they can keep that going and, and drop some of those scores down, they have a good opportunity to really make some movement tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll see how it goes for the Utes. We'll keep you updated on that. And of course, we'll be back tomorrow talking more about George Klyovkov, some of the issues that he faces as he takes over as Pac-12 commissioner. And of course, we'll keep you updated on everything else involving the University of Utah as well. Brian, where can they find you on the internet? Gone, Jake. I'm a ghost. You're gone. Okay, ghost. You're 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 dead to the internet. At Brown Bear SLC, apparently there is a logo floating around of me trying to swing a golf club, but looking like I mostly know how to pose with it, not actually swing it. Uh, at B Brown Sports, if you want to follow me on Instagram as well, that's going to be my new uh, Twitter avatar soon enough. By the way, on that logo, just and that's my fear. Giving <laughs> giving you a heads up on that, but you can follow me at Jacob C Hatch, and also make sure to follow the show at Locked On Utes. Until tomorrow. Have a great rest of your day. This has been the Locked On Utes podcast for May 18th, 2021, and we will talk to you guys manana.